Hello and welcome back to Did You See? It is a podcast where each week two friends, myself, Dan, one of those friends, and himself, Max, get together and ask and answer each other the question that friends have been asking and answering since the dawn of stuff to talk about. Hey, did you see? Done live and in person with the two of us sitting across the table for each other uh, from each other for only the second time, I think, in the history of the show. Yeah, second or third, maybe. It feels really weird. It is weird. It's very weird. I don't know if I like it. It's It's oddly reminiscent. Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like all those years we sat across from each other doing poor man's process or mm-hmm. the nearly 20 years of sitting across from each other just having conversations that we've had. Yep. But at the same time, it's not the format for this show, so it feels very weird. Yeah. Uh, I will, as is tradition, lead us directly in. Max, did you see that uh, Sea of Thieves, the pirate-themed, uh, I guess, MMO video game, uh, has a pen and paper RPG coming out later this year. No, but I'm familiar with the game. Okay. So, uh, releasing in October from Mongoose Publishing, the Sea of Thieves role-playing game uh, promises quick and easy play designed for immersive role-playing that favors action, problem-solving, and above all, fun. There you go. You also get a free PDF uh, of it when you buy it. Neat. So you have a digital version when you buy the book. The PDF is apparently available now as well for about 40 bucks. Okay. Uh, the box set's going to be 75 Sure. Uh, but um, I... I think it's cool that this is making the trans like the reason I want to talk about it is it's making the transition from uh tradi- traditional video to traditional tabletop style game. Yeah, I mean always cool to see. I mean it shows you I think to an extent how popular tabletop RPGs have become. That Absolutely. A video game like that would want to make the leap and this is if you're not familiar with it it has kind of a Fortnite feel to it where it's very very friendly and it's round and colorful and it's not like real dark or anything like that. So I could definitely see this being like a fun mm-hmm. pick-up-and-play kind of RPG. Now that I've updated my computer to uh, Windows 10, I've been considering picking it up because it does look like a lot of fun, but it only runs on Windows 10. Interesting. So, yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't have it previous to now. Um, but I I think it's just like also cool as somebody who plays a lot of pen-and-paper role-playing games uh, whenever a pen-and-paper role-playing game gets a new anything. Yes, like get make make a new system, give me new you know materiel or whatever else, and also like I can't think of a pen and paper RPG. I'm sure there's a billion of them, but I can't think of any of them that are like directly pirate themed. No, there are pirate aspects to a lot of them. Yeah, but like I know D and D's had a lot of pirate stuff oh, yes. recently, especially with Ghost of Saltmarsh having just released mm-hmm. Re- released Ghost of Saltmarsh released. Ah, I see. And uh, also with um, Pathfinder, I know did a bunch of. Uh, pirate themed releases but pathfinder's done everything pathfinder has done just about everything at this point now pathfinder's got its new book coming out here pathfinder 2 uh which should be outish nowish <laughs> since we're both doing sean connery's apparently <laughs> outish nowish shot marsh ghost of the shot marsh <laughs> just I'm, released i remembered my Charlemagne. that's right <laughs> Ghosts of the Salt Marsh. But yeah, I'm always happy to see. I mean, you never know. Even if you just pick out a, a little aspect of a game. I mean, there are things we've used in games from other games, right? Oh, sure. I mean, at towards the end, because we had Pathfinder so heavily steeped in our uh, 3.5 games, we lovingly called it 3.75. Yep, because so, Pathfinder wasn't quite uh, third and a half, but third right. and a half wasn't all what we were using. Yeah, so we, I mean... I think it's fine to pick up where you pick up things like uh, hero points or plot points. What's well, the same? It's like the that. same as homebrew. Yeah, right. You're just taking somebody else's stuff to into your homebrew, mm-hmm. which is um, house rules. Yeah, 
House Rules and Homebrew is like that's what that shit's based on. Like people who are 100% by the book are boring. I mean, it definitely takes you can help really put flourishes on your games if you add a little piece. And I mean, Fifth has done a nice job of adding that with the hero points and things like that that you can use to help kind of make the game interesting when it needs to be. Well, and make the game what you want it to be. Yes. You know, make your game your game. And that's, you know, that's been something that that they've pushed since the beginning. Absolutely. Right? Is make make D&D the game you want it to be. I think that's why it's been so successful. Yeah. It's because you just make it whatever you, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Do the thing. Well, that's why systems like uh, Palladium and GURPS did so well in the 80s and early 90s is just like what do you what do you want to do? Yeah. Like we have a splat book for pretty much everything. What do you want to do? Yeah. I mean, GURPS is the universal role-playing system. Generic universal role-playing system. So, so that's what it was designed to be. Yeah. It, where do you want this set? How do you want it done? Absolutely. We got the rules for that. Yeah. I mean, really the toughest thing for D&D a lot of times is rules for modern weapons. Yes. It's generally the toughest thing you have in a D&D game, which is why like D20 Modern existed to go with like the three, the third edition and three and a half stuff and i mean i'd love to see a fifth edition modern come out yeah which would be just fantastic yeah modern rules would be nice just because there's some stuff sometimes you want to tell a modern game whereas i mean if you think about it, they could do like a pulp era one they could do a modern era one well uh powered by the apocalypse which is a system does a lot of that as well yes um all flesh does that as well yeah where it's like it's a modern game. We did a western one. We did a uh, a very pulpy noir kind of one. We did you know these different kinds. Yeah, there's uh, one of the uh, power. I think it's part of the apocalypse is uh, monster of the week, mm. and it's very much like an X Files or Buffy kind of nice setup where every and it it appears from looking at it that every sort of adventure is supposed to be individually contained, like it would be an episode of something. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I love that kind of play. Mm-hmm. Just because you can. You can continue to make them longer if you want. Yeah. You can just end them if you need to. Episodic play is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just like, you know I like, and everybody else out there probably at this point, we've talked about role-playing games enough, knows that I like a game that tells a full actual story. Yeah, let's tell a story. Yes. Yeah, I definitely like that a lot. So good on you, Sea of Thieves. Um, moving on, this has no way to be segued other than there's a podcast about stuff. Dan, did you see that Gary Dauberman is no longer involved with Paramount's Are You Afraid of the Dark movie? Oh. Right. And a particular owl because it was slated to come out in October. Yeah. So they're down a writer. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, that's not great, but. <laughs> no, especially because, as you point out, uh, it was supposed to come out in October. Right. And Dauberman, so- if you're not familiar, worked on It and The Nun. Um. But he's no longer attached, and there's nothing going on outside of. I guess they're still trying to kick it around. I mean, it's it's gonna get it's gonna get pushed. It's not like I my bet when I read this is that they're waiting to see how scary stories to tell in the dark does. Yep, yep. And I think that's what their their play yeah, is. It, just, it'll get we'll pushed. See. It'll get pushed into 2020. Maybe not a whole year, but it'll get pushed into 2020, and it will come out, and it will be different from what we expected at the beginning yes and that's fine uh, i'm a little disappointed because he, he talked a little bit about um what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and he said uh it's a completely original and this was uh september of last year he said this it's a completely original story i came up with it still has the midnight society and the campfire 
Uh, and he said that the show is really important to him. I didn't want to age it down too much because for its time, it had some disturbing episodes. And some really... Super disturbing yeah. stuff. And uh, not to not not every story the Midnight Society told would end with a happily ever after or the person learning a lesson and not, you know, things going well. Uh, he really wanted to embrace that side of things and thinks uh, it's been a long time. And he thinks that fear is healthy for younger audiences. And he says we don't always have to sand down the edges of things. And that's something he really wanted to do with Are You Afraid of the Dark? He thinks that it would have been scary and kids would be scared watching it. And they'd also have to be able they'd also be able to laugh at times. He thinks the story overall had a great message. And that's what the heart is to good younger audience horror. Um, he says he thinks it's great and that he would be able to, with that story, open it up to an even wider audience. So, you know, just going to have to, unfortunately, I guess, for Are You Afraid of the Dark, sit and wait on that one, granted. I mean, I'm always happy to have horror. Odd that it seemed like he was going to tell one story instead of what I think would be an obvious anthology. anthology. Yeah. And, I mean, like, you could do something heavier with the wraparound. Like, it could be a two- or three-story anthology with a long wraparound because the Midnight Society aspect of it is so important. Yeah. I mean, and, that was the show, right? Like, especially the, the show was seasons. about the kids as much as it was about the stories they were telling. Yeah. I mean, especially once it got into the late seasons, they mm -hmm. did the, uh, the whole... There was a whole, like, three- or four-episode story that had to do with the, uh, the two main characters. They brought back the kid... Uh, Gary with the glasses and his younger brother who kind of took over at the end towards the end of the second season huh. and they had like this family thing and it all tied with the Midnight Society and they brought back cast members from the original and huh. it was this big long winded kind of way to end it so it was almost like a movie in its own right but that that kind of aspect would be interesting TV that gets to end with movies is always a good thing yeah looking at you Degrassi schools out there you go you fucked Tessa Campanelli <laughs> My f one of my favorite lines in all of cinema. <laughs> I guess I think it was your fucking Tessa Campanelli. Uh, clearly, it's been too long since I've seen Degrassi Schools Out, but well, now you have something to watch. Hell yeah, it was great. Um, but anyway, that is deeply upsetting because yeah. I had a lot of hope for that movie. I think I had, I honestly, I think I had more hope for that movie than I did Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, especially after I saw the trailer for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I have some hope still for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Still, Andre Overdahl, still old me. <laughs> old you I think I think there's still some hope there it's gonna be different but I do think some of the things like that big round woman is frightening looking oh, yeah. the spiders coming out of the girl's face they're obviously leaning really hard on that in the marketing mm -hmm. so we'll see how it goes I'm interested to see kind of what it looks like it's just but once you take scary stories and put it in color you start to lose things yes. because it's it works so well in black and white and we already know uh, are you afraid of the dark worked on a screen because that's what it was made for so you know, I think there's I think there's a lot less transitional kind of roughness that goes on from one to the other. But I hope Scary Stories is good. I mean, I hope it's good. I hope it works. And I hope that buoys the production team behind uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would work. Same Scary Stories being what seems to be quite scary and Are You Afraid of the Dark trying to go towards that. And then for the lighter fairy, you get something like the two Goosebumps movies. Mm -hmm. So I think it can work all all different like sides of the, uh, the youth horror. horror, the yeah. youth horror movement. Yeah. YH. YH, yeah. Sure. <laughs> we got YA and YH. Yeah, exactly. YA. Yep. It's Canadian version. YA. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take us to an extremely uh, down place. Uh, Max, did you see that Disney, Netflix, and Warner Media have all said, and important people there, have all said they will probably stop film filming in Georgia if the anti-abortion law is enacted next year. Yeah, and, and a bunch of smaller studios have. A lot of people are. I mean, 
this archaic bullshit lawmaking was definitely a problem, but like with most stupid bullshit, I guarantee they didn't think about the larger impact. Like, Atlanta specifically and Georgia as a state has turned so much on people filming there, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to talk about this, because this is huge. That's a, it's a tricky story to talk about, and it was one I considered bringing myself. It's so... It's a tough story to talk about because you have to kind of separate. It's hard to separate the political part of it and your views, especially on something like abortion, because everybody kind of has a very, even if you, as not a woman, I'd say that I have a fairly, like a fairly strong, particularly strong opinion. Yeah. yeah, About how things, it's hard to not have an opinion about something that is this important. Right. And honestly, I think people who don't have opinions about it just aren't paying attention. Well, that definitely is a part of it, yeah. Which is a big problem. Mm-hmm. But, um, like... It's tough. It's a tough to, one. To go along with it, though, and, like, the fact that so many people are, like... I mean, this this is what we always say, right? You vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is Hollywood voting with their dollars. This is Hollywood saying, no, Google. Yeah. <laughs> but... The part of it, and the actually the thing that made me actually go, yes, I'm talking about this, was an article I saw on io9 that referenced uh, Bob Iger speaking about why Disney wouldn't go film there. And I don't know if it was pull quotes being used to service a point or what, but it really, the article really makes it sound like Bob Iger's just like, women won't work with us, so we can't film there. Yeah. And it's just like, look, you old white idiot. That's not why you should like. Yeah. That's not why you should have a problem with it. The fact that like Jessica Chastain and Sophie Turner have already said we won't fucking go there anymore shouldn't be the reason why Disney decides to have a moral stance. It's I mean, <laughs> I get it. If that's how fucking cinema works, it's but so much. It's so. <laughs> it's really hard for me to talk about because it's like I don't want to. I want to talk about the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And not I'm about not the get into yeah I don't want to piss off any of our listeners or anything because I mean there's no it's such a complex topic to talk about that you know what I mean like you said the worst thing you can do is just not really have an opinion about yeah. it and and it's hard to um it's hard to have a conversation about such sensitive topic even even when people agree or even if you you know even if you have whatever opinion that you have it's hard to have the conversation and, and again it's why you know you didn't want to talk about it and the only reason i decided to talk about it was i feel like uh disney like netflix when netflix is one of the first large things that came out and said we're just we're done yeah and that was basically it mm-hmm. and then a lot of petitions started and a lot of uh celebrities have been signing these petitions to you know not go to these places yeah. or to, to whatever else and then like you know disney the largest multi or one of the largest multimedia companies in the world ever says you know, and Bob Iger, the most important person in the Disney company, says, again, I'm hoping this is quotes pulled out of context. The only reason, you know, basically, now we have a reason not to go because our actresses yeah. won't work with us. And it's just right. like, if don't open your fucking mouth, Bob. Like, just say we're not going to go there because now you look, and, and you and I have discussed this a lot recently about when Hollywood looks like they're pandering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And it's just like, don't, don't, don't make a business. Look, I fucking know that's why you're doing it. Like, yeah. I, me sitting here as somebody who talks about this shit all the time, reads about this shit all the time, 
I know that's why you're doing. Yeah. I know Disney, if fucking Georgia continued to give them a fucking tax break, they wouldn't fucking, they wouldn't care if they were literally murdering people on the street. Right. Like government-sponsored murder on the street. Yeah, as long sure. as they didn't murder their performers yep. and still let them go there cheap because that's how fucking big business this works. This is the purge-free zone. This yeah. is the Disney purge-free zone. Yeah. This is, that's how late-stage capitalism works. So I don't fucking, it bothers me, but I'm over it. Yeah. You know? But don't fucking say it, Bob. Yeah. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Like, yeah, don't you have PR people? Yeah, like, there's someone in a fucking, like, in a Disney office going, ah, oh, goddammit, Bob opened his mouth again. Yep. Because, and, like, the statement from Warner Media was super much like the Netflix one of just, like, yeah, we don't think we're going to be able to continue to work in a state where this is happening. Right. And that's, th- the problem is that's how Bob started, is yep. we don't think we'll be able to continue working in Georgia because of this. All right, Stop. Stop there. Yeah. Because now you come off looking less like you're trying to pander to your multi-million dollar actresses to, you know, save face. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, don't do not do that. Like, yeah, just, I mean, either Disney believes this would be hard, like this is something we don't can't agree with. Or there's just, you know, Maud, there's too many ins and outs. that. But we're not going to do this. Yeah. We, just we, fucking end it there. Yep. Stop talking. Bob. This is going to make things difficult for Disney. Yeah, this is going to, or it puts a strain on the relationship Disney has currently with the state, state of Georgia. Georgia. Exactly, and and end it there. Yep. You know, do what everyone else has done, but you know, you just got to throw in there. You know, uh, because of this, we think it'd be difficult. It's right. Just like, yeah, like I want to shunt. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. People are making this tough for us. Yeah. Kind of thing where it's just like. It makes you feel what, a little slimy. What what it feels like is like you're passing the buck. Yes, exactly. It feels like you're saying, well, if if you know if we could find enough people to come and work on our movies, we would we wouldn't care. Yep. But because this gonna, this is going to endanger our ability to get a list celebrities, specifically female a list celebrities, we're, we can't do it. Yeah. It's like, Bob, no. Yep. Yeah. You fucked Again, it up. I know exactly in my heart that they don't give a fuck. Right. In fact, for all I know, a lot of people who work in the upper ups at Disney would rather this law get enacted i don't know right? right i have no idea calm down i'm not used to this boom. calm down yeah, i'm not used to this boom <laughs> we record this podcast and this is the this he's, is much like the anti-vax he's getting episode. animated yeah, it's much like the anti-vax episode where we got very heated about what was going on um it's just you don't have to like leave something to the imagination you know yep. like well, just yeah, keep your foot away from your mouth make a better statement yeah which goes all. to which goes to every time anyone in hollywood says fucking anything about fucking anything anymore just make a better statement. It's all very tough. It's happened through the the um, everything with the sexual harassment and rape stuff. It's just like either either say as little as you possibly can, or if you choose to say more words, you better fucking think about them. Yeah, this you don't have to talk. No, you can just say we are sorry this happened. We will make better. Yeah. Or in this case, this is this sucks, and we will probably not be able to work here anymore and end your day. One of the best comments is no comment. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. Oddly, despite the fact that the internet will clamber and clamber and clamber for it, you don't have to give us every piece of information. There's a whole amendment that protects you. Not only that, there's just common decency to shut your fucking mouth. Well, I mean, let's throw that right out the window. Come on. Fair. It is Hollywood. (laughs) So speaking of Hollywood... I'm going to lift this right back up, Dan. Have you seen the tragedy? The all-metal tribute to the Bee Gees and beyond have released their newest album. Tragedy goes to the movies. Uh, in as much as you had it sitting out when I came over to record, yes. Yes. 
So this is a 14-track album from the band Tragedy. If you're not familiar, I think the name of an all-metal tribute to the Bee Gees and, and Beyond, beyond kind of says it all. They did start out as an all-metal tribute to specifically the Bee Gees, two albums of Bee Gees covers uh, that all are fantastic. Then they started to move into the Beyond department where they added a bunch of uh, pop tunes from the 80s and 90s and early aughts. And this newest album is very similar to those. It also is kind of all movie inspired. I'll run through the track list because it's a treat. Number one is the 20th Century Fox opening, which is what they uh, came out to. I saw them live last night, and that's what they uh, that's what they entered to was Lance playing it on a recorder. <laughs> and then after that, um, Age of Aquarius, Let the Sunshine In, followed by Fame, followed by If I Only Had a Brain featuring Lance. Um, then num- track number five is Got to Get You Into My Life. Number six, Summer Nights, which they performed last night. Number seven, Without You. Number eight, Did I Ever Tell You About the Time? Number nine, Nine to Five, which they performed last night. Oh, man. Uh, that was when they asked me. They I was part of the show because they asked me what my job was, and I said a telemarketer. And then they, they put that into the song towards the end, which was a treat. Uh, number 10, Jedi Rocks. Number 11, which may be the best cover on the album, Skyfall. Mm. Uh, number 12, Jaws at the Triple X. Number 13, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. And number 14, For Your Consideration. Hmm. So a solid listing of tracks from films that kind of goes all over the place. Obviously some tracks that they just took a twist on and uh, kind of did their own version of, as you could tell by some of the titles. But uh, yeah, they're a treat of a band. If you like, uh, I wouldn't necessarily consider them metal. Don't let that scare you away. It's very much more in the vein of like hard rock. Yeah, they're much more a hard rock band than they are a metal band. And uh, they're just a bizarre group of folks. If you ever get a chance, check it out. Listen I mean, to it's, their it's albums. performative comedy. Yeah, it really is. It's some bizarre stuff. We were stage uh, uh, crowd surfing two different blow up dolls last night and a blow up penis. That so, sounds about right. Yeah, it's uh... <laughs> at Kung Fu Necktie. It's such a small venue. Yeah, it was pretty packed. It was. Uh, it was. Do you know there's an upstairs at Kung Fu Necktie where they do stuff? Nope. Yeah, neither did I until recently. Yeah, I and no I've clue. been there a bunch. Yeah, I didn't even. I can't even fathom where that would be, where the stairs are. Uh, I guess. Yeah, it's somewhere. Yeah. How? That's yeah. really strange. Yep. Gonna... I think it's a separate entrance. Yeah, it has to be right. Mm. So that's interesting. But yeah, cool band. Interesting. Uh, it's a. I haven't listened to the album all the way through yet, just the stuff I've listened to live, and they released um, Age of Aquarius as a music video. So if you get a chance, check it out. Tragedy. They are pretty fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show for the week. Make sure you check us out if you like what you're hearing. It's www.superliminalfilms.com. We can also be found on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Going to do the thing I've been doing for a while now, and I'm going to... uh, support the uh, local Philadelphia podcasting community by telling everybody that at the last two weeks of July, you should get out, check phillypodfest.com for the schedule to the pod festival. Unfortunately, it does not appear that we will be there live, but we will be there in person supporting other local podcasters. We'll let you know when we'll be there because we haven't quite figured that part out yet. Also, this week, if you are listening to this this week, now, if you're listening to this any week in the future after this week, Season three of How Good Is That will premiere on Friday, June 7th, 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 sure, 7th, June 7th, Friday, June 7th. Yeah. Season three of How Good Is That 
called To Hollywood, ranking the films of Quentin Tarantino featuring myself and Max, that's him, Hi. and a uh, good buddy of ours, Daryl, who's not really been in a lot of our stuff over the years, but... Uh, here and there. Here and there. He's been in some of our stuff, and he'll be on the show with us. It's the three of us. We'll take you through the currently extant eight films of Quentin Tarantino, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when it comes out, and then we will rank them all. That can be found anywhere, much like this one. Fine podcasts are sold. Bye, everybody. What a way to make a living. <laughs>